What's up, gamers? I'm Tori Dominguez. And I'm Noah Hertz. And welcome to Press Start. It is the podcast for the person that I drove past earlier today who was driving a Mazda with a ton of Final Fantasy VII Cloud Strife stickers on the back of the windshield. Thank you, and specifically you, for listening. Noah, you can just say it was your car. I I wish it was my car. I was in the middle lane on the interstate. This guy was in the left lane, and I pulled past him until I saw what I thought was cloud strife in the corner of my eye, and then I slowed my car down so that I could get a look at his back windshield. So what you're saying is you could have gotten into a car accident because you wanted to see this guy's cloud strife decal. A little bit, yeah. Would have been like... Potentially. This is a a sick Final Fantasy VII reference. (laughs) All right, so what's happening in the wide world of gaming? So since the last time we recorded a podcast, we recorded a podcast where we talked favorably about Microsoft and Phil Spencer, and then 12 hours later, they they went ahead with one of the largest corporate mergers in the world ever. So that's a thing. Yeah, we did that. We really did that. Um, I... I, I will I'll throw this one to you. I'm not really sure that I feel I feel equipped to talk about the Microsoft and Activision Blizzard merger with in a way that is putting anything unique into the universe other than like I think big corporate mergers are bad and I think Microsoft owning every game publisher this side of the planet is not good. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel like that horse has definitely been beaten, but I do want to bring up the fact that not just, yes, the work culture was bad. Again, that's like a story that everybody knows by now, but it does also come on the heels of Raven Software, which is under Activision Blizzard. That's people who are, I believe, are doing their QA uh, work, and they were attempting to unionize, um, and then things quickly uh, took a, a uh, a sharp turn downhill when they were starting to unionize this merger around the time this merger happens. And all of a sudden the QA department was shuffled around. Um, And then the code part that is communications workers of America, they spoke out on Twitter and they basically said that that was a union busting tactic. I mean, yes, you can reshuffle department if there is a merger, an anticipated merger, if things are happening within the company, but it just happens to be a little too coincidental, in my opinion, and I could definitely see this being an act of uh, union busting. So just another just another little layer to all things problematic with Activision Blizzard as a workplace. Well, since then, the additional complication is that they have formed their union. So the the QA workers at Ravensoft have technically organized, but, and I'll drop an article in the show notes. There was an article on The Verge that's talking about how difficult the path to unionizing has been and how difficult it might be going forward too, because now they have the added wrinkle of, sure, they've attempted to unionize, they've now unionized, Now they just have to get recognized by Activision Blizzard, but then what's it going to look like when Microsoft fully completes the acquisition? Because the acquisition, the 70 billion, well, correction, it's 69 billion. It is 69 billion. Most people have been saying 70 and rounding it up. I want to say 69. Um, The $69 billion acquisition doesn't happen overnight, and it's a process, whereas the unionization process is technically faster. So I, even though... 
I'm sure Phil Spencer's like a great guy to get a beer with and Microsoft does seem to have a better company atmosphere than whatever horrific shit was happening under Bobby Kotick at Activision. Like they're one of the biggest companies and big companies are generally not particularly friendly to unionizing. Yeah. Well, we, we'll, uh, we'll have to see. And then again, on the whole, like, oh, Microsoft, Microsoft owning a lot more than they already do, which is already a lot is bad and spells, you know, monopoly concerns. But I just wanted to bring this up because this also gets into the idea of like console exclusives and those types of exclusive content. It really seems like in terms of the amount of franchises that uh, Microsoft and the Xbox will have access to, will just make Sony and Nintendo pale in comparison. Um, just by the sheer amount of studios and content that they now own or have rights to. But at the same time, like for anyone who has Game Pass, like you are eating incredibly well. (laughs) Um, Yeah, the the conversations around this have been very amusing because it's kind of, it's it's two shades. It's the, boy, monopolies aren't good, but fuck, Game Pass is going to be looking pretty sick. And like... I think I said this to you in a text the other day. It kind of reminds me about the the conversations when Disney was buying up like Sony and Fox and everything. And it's like half the internet is like, holy shit, what's going to happen to Fox Searchlight? What's going to happen to all these smaller things? And the other half of the internet is like, fuck yeah, the X-Men are going to be in the MCU. And it's like, I think both things can be true. Like both Game Pass can be a really good deal. If you put a gun to my head and told me I had to get a PS5 or an Xbox Series X right now, I would probably say an Xbox because, like, the the Game Pass thing fucking rules the amount of... Really? I, I... Honestly, yeah. I've huh. been a PlayStation boy my entire life, but, like, well, not my entire life. I've been a PlayStation boy since the PS2 era, mostly because I liked Kingdom Hearts, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> no but, shame. Yeah, no shame whatsoever, but... Frankly, the amount of indie games that come to Game Pass day one, like Microsoft has been really trying to court indie developers to get their games to launch on Game Pass the same day they launch elsewhere. So these are games that I'm dropping 20, 30 bucks to play on Switch anyway, like Chicory dropped day one on Game Pass. Um, There's one that just recently came out that I would like to check out. Nobody Saves the World dropped Mm -hmm. one day, day one on Game Pass, like They've got some seriously good stuff. So even even though, you know, Monopoly is bad generally. So I don't know. Yeah. Monopoly is bad. Game Pass, good. I want to talk about a different media conglomerate. Let's talk about fucking Star Wars, baby. Oh, hell yeah. Star Wars. What's going on with Star Wars? I feel like there's new Star Wars news every single week. I feel like I could very easily do that. Um, so... Star Wars video games getting announced is a very mixed bag generally because Star Wars has had more games announced than have been released, which I feel like is true for a lot of things, but Star Wars especially, both under under George Lucas's management when it was LucasArts making the games and now under Disney passing out the license to EA and then EA farming Star Wars games out to studios that they eventually close like stuff tends to get announced and then canceled but Mm -hmm. now ea is trying this new tactic and to back up back when disney bought star wars and when they bought lucasfilm and everything they closed down lucasarts 
LucasArts was like the only company making Star Wars games because it was owned by George Lucas. So every project that was being worked on at LucasArts got thrown out the window and Disney threw the license over to EA and said, you get exclusivity, make as many Star Wars games as you want. What EA made was Star Wars Battlefront 1 and Star Wars Battlefront 2. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. Two FPSs. And then they made Jedi Fallen Order, which they made in conjunction with Respawn. Mm. And so the folks at Respawn are now pretty much taking the lead and three new Star Wars games under Respawn were just announced. So we're going to get a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. They're calling it like... The, the specifics of it were not Jedi Fallen Order 2. It was, we're getting a sequel to Fallen Order. So I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, an FPS developed by Respawn, which, I mean, I've played Titanfall 2. I've played Apex Legends. The fuckers at Respawn are really, really good when it comes to story-driven FPSs. So that has me excited. And then the third one that's interesting here is a strategy game that is being developed not by Respawn, but by a separate developer called Bitreactor, which is a recently formed dev team of former Firaxis developers who worked on the XCOM reboot. So that sounds pretty cool to me. That does. And I also feel like um, I've never really played a strategy game. It hasn't really ever Hmm. appealed to me. Um, Maybe something I should dip my toes into, but I do feel like it's kind of like an underrated genre of game. Yeah. Feel like it's one you don't hear about very often and the people who are into that stuff my brother is a big XCOM fan mm. and also played like fire emblem and those types of strategy-esque games and i feel like every time a new strategy game comes out they like lose their shit so <laughs> good for them it's it's tough too because it's like star wars used to be in the position where LucasArts would farm out a bunch of smaller dev teams to make Star Wars games so often that there was pretty much constantly shit coming out. And ever since EA got the license, that has kind of changed. And like, since then, things have gotten a little better because Fallen Order came out and I never played Squadrons, which I know was like the dogfighting space combat game. I never played that. And now the new Lego Star Wars is coming out too. But I'm... I'm hoping this represents kind of a move back to there being more Star Wars games. Because, like, when EA took over and it became Star Wars must be this big cinematic thing, it it made sense that they gave it to DICE and they were just going to make really pretty first-person shooters. Because that was, like, the thing. And I think people reacted in such a way that showed that they want more variety and star wars does have like a rich history of also being strategy games and of being fps's and all kinds of stuff so i'm i'm pretty into that i will say it kind of sucks that the folks at respawn kind of have a gun to their head and they're now only allowed to develop star wars games they're just like a a new star wars studio now yeah and like respawn made the titanfall games and those are really cool so like it kind of sucks that this means we might never see anything else from Titanfall, or at least not in the foreseeable future, but it, I don't know, it is interesting. Um, I don't know, I'm into it. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really cool, and I do like the the idea of so many game genres being able to be made out of the same content in the same franchise, just like reimagined for different types of gamers. I think that's really cool. I will so- say, um, I do think, I do hope None of these will get canceled, but I think it is distinctly possible that at least one of these gets canceled. I mean, 
just in the last couple of years, EA has announced more Star Wars games than they have released. There was that one that they brought in Amy Henning from the Uncharted games to help with, and that bit the dust. Speaking of Star Wars canceled games, do you remember Star Wars 1313? Do you remember the announcement for this oh, one? Oh God, yeah, vaguely. Yeah, it was it was a real big blowout announcement at E3 back in like 2011 or 12. It was going to be big PS3 game. You were like you were like Star Wars Underworld guys and Coruscant, and it was gonna it looked a lot like Uncharted. And some mm. some more footage from that game recently leaked out earlier today when we're recording this actually i'll drop it in the show notes and it's cool because it's like unfinished uh cg moving through an area but it's kind of funny because the footage shows the main character playing as boba fett and i kind of forgot that the the drama with that game was that when it was announced you were playing as like these two generic white guy humans on coruscant and the story goes that like two-thirds of the way through development or something george lucas busts in one day and was like I want this game to be about Boba Fett. And they were like, <laughs> they were like, George, we're too far along for that. And he was like, I don't give a shit. I want this game to be about Boba Fett. <laughs> so they had to like force Boba Fett into the game as the main character. But, oh um, God. <laughs> we're never going to see that game anyway. It got canceled. But that shit's just, I remembered that and I thought that was funny as hell. Um, can I give you my my grand theory for these Star Wars games? Sure, but I just also wanted to say I can just imagine George Lucas bursting into a game studio like the Kool-Aid man through a brick yeah. wall and just demanding Boba Fett at all costs. I, I'm not I'm not gonna act like a revisionist here and say that everything under George Lucas when it came to Star Wars was good because it definitely wasn't. But the chaotic energy of everything being owned by a single man who was more interested in making action figures because the merchandise sold better than the movies is pretty amusing to me versus Disney where they have like a bunch of shareholders around the table like how can we get the most people to come to the movie theater whereas George was like how many different blue guys can I get in this one room? (laughs) True. My, uh, My grand theory for all of this, there's been a big push on the creative non-movie end of Disney Star Wars in the last year or two here called The High Republic. Are you aware Mm. of any of this? Have you seen any of this? No, I have not. So all Star Wars fiction, at least in the Disney era, since they made so much stuff like no longer canon when they bought Star Wars, takes place in either the, the era of the movies that takes place in the prequels, the stuff that takes place around the original movies, or the stuff that takes place in the sequel set of movies. And in order to kind of open things up a little bit, they launched a book and comic book initiative called the High Republic, which is like this whole new timeline era that takes place hundreds of years before the Phantom Menace and before the established content. And they've got like a pretty popular line of books. They've got at least two comic books running. One of the announced Disney Plus shows is going to be about the High Republic, but we haven't gotten any video games yet. And so I don't think it's going to be the Fallen Order sequel, but I'd be willing to bet you either the FPS or the strategy game are going to tie into the High Republic stuff somehow. Because Disney's really big on that like media blitz of like having a game that ties into a comic book, that ties into a show, that ties into a movie. And I think I think doing a video game that further expands this timeline is like something that they would probably go for. That makes perfect sense. And honestly, yeah, they can't really do much with the movies that are already 
the movies that are already established because they've kind of like written that up already. Like they've already tied a lot of those loose ends. So it makes sense to carve out another chunk in the universe that hasn't been explored yet. I will say too, uh, the Quantic Dream game that I'm still, that I still remain convinced is never going to come out is also technically supposed to take place in the High Republic era. But Mm. again, I don't think that game is ever going to come out. So as far, (laughs) until, until that game is on the shelves in GameStop, I am going to operate as if it does not exist. So what is the ratio of Star Wars (laughs) games that actually come out to getting canceled? Is it like 50-50? Is it like... (sighs) <laughs> it's not quite 50-50, but I would definitely say at least in the last like decade, it's probably like 75-25. Like it's still not great. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah, because like it doesn't help that when it's a big company like EA, they have so many satellite companies that they've bought up and gobbled up that have good stuff behind them. Like the the one that got canceled that was supposed to be directed by Amy Henning was being directed by a studio that used to be involved with Dead Space. So this was like a huge deal. They were like, the Dead Space guys are making Star Wars and Amy Henning from Uncharted's going to be involved with it. And then they just fucking nuked it. And all of the insiders at the time were saying that the reason they nuked it is because EA thought single player games weren't going to get them anywhere and they needed a live service game, but oh, they couldn't no. find out a way to turn what they had into a live service game. So, oh, no. bum, bum, ba yeah, so speaking of well-loved franchises that have all Ooh. sorts of new content going on, allegedly, uh, looks like that Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy VII showcase is happening Ooh. Uh, in, like, well, I can't say in four days, but on the 31st, which is relatively soon from where we are taping right now. Um, I have some thoughts about this. Of course, people are speculating that this will be the time where they unveil the part two of the remake. It makes sense. It's a showcase. It's the 25th anniversary of the game, which in itself is like a mini franchise within Final Fantasy. Um, and that's honestly what I'm hoping for. And maybe some some uh, cloud merch. Who knows? Some, some cloud car decals. When I sent you this link, I think I texted you this. The yeah. link, the URL that I saw, the headline was like, Final Fantasy VII Showcase happening next week featuring special guests. And I, my first thought when I saw it was like, oh my god, special guests, is Cloud going to be there? <laughs> and then I, was like, <laughs> I was like, hold on just a second, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It is happening I, uh, in Japan, so it'll take place at like 5 in the morning in our time <clears throat> zone. So it's one of those things that will... We'll link up to some news, I guess, but we'll see. I just really want there to be an announcement of the second part of the remake. That's all I really care about. Man, talk about Final Fantasy Final Fantasy updates and stuff like that in general. I'm waiting for an update about... Um, remember when they announced the Pixel remasters for the older Final Fantasy games? Oh my god, yeah. This was what? that thing that was going to make up for... The fact that the versions of Final Fantasies 1 through 6 that they've released on iOS and platforms like that have these shitty non-sprites replacing all of the original sprite work from the original games. Yes. And they've they've launched Final Fantasies 1 through 5 on Steam, and they're planning to do 6, but... Originally, they had kind of alluded to the fact that this was going to come to consoles, including the Switch, but they've never given a release date. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Square, I, I will 
I will gladly purchase Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy IV, three, like mo- half of those again. But I don't want to play them on my PC. <laughs> I'm like, let me play them laying in bed, please. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't heard about that for a while. And it does suck the way they messed around with it. Um, could you ever see those types of games being remade the same way Final Fantasy VII is remade? Like, full-blown, like modernized i can see some of them being remade but i think it would have to be the ones that are like very very story heavy like i know there was a rumor floating around for a second i think this actually ties back into that rumor we talked about about the nvidia geforce that that leaked list of games that included like the chrono cross remake and the grand theft auto remakes Mm -hmm. um i think one of the ones in there was a final fantasy 9 remaster and Like, the Final Fantasy games, I don't know, how many of the older ones have you played, like, pre-7? Oh, God, I don't think I've played any of them pre-7. Like, I've played, the the only ones I really remember playing that are older are 7 and 10, and okay. then, like, Crystal Chronicles, and then uh, one for the DS that might have been a remake of an older one, but this was, like, 15 years ago. I've only, the only one I've played to completion is 7, like, played to the credits rolling, but I've fucked around with like six, four, and one. And like the first three are not very story heavy. They were they were NES games and they are pretty much straightforward role-playing games where you are the four warriors of light and you have to get like crystals and stuff. Um, four onward is when they start leaning into the story stuff. But like four, I could totally see being redone in the seven type way because it has like a very cinematic story the the main character is almost like a proto cloud his name's cecil and he's like he's like an evil dark knight and then he he realizes that the empire he's working for is bad and then he turns to the good side and becomes a paladin and there's all this cool storytelling and that like when you start the game off your class is dark knight and you have these abilities that are kind of focused on sucking the health from yourself and enemies and then when he becomes a good guy he becomes a paladin so he can learn white magic and all this like really cool storytelling that is so cool i love yeah that. really neat storytelling for the game mechanics and like that i could totally see redone but i don't know there's they would have to pick and choose same with like six six is one that the fans fucking love like the the fan base for final fantasy six is about as rapid as the fan base for seven is because it's a similarly cinematic story with really lovable characters and like a whole cast of characters the way seven has too but i don't know i think it'd be neat but i think more than anything in the present i really just want to like replay them the original way yeah that's a good point what else are you looking forward to releasing or coming out in upcoming weeks I kind of completely forgot about this until I saw a tweet about it. Uh, The Steam Deck comes out next month. I guess for the uninitiated, the Steam Deck is Valve's answer to the Switch. It, It was announced looking frighteningly like the Switch, but with a stronger processor. It's a it's a little bulkier. It kind of reminds me of like the the Game Gear versus the Game Boy. You know how like the Game Boy is very smooth and it's yeah. very boxy, whereas the Game Gear was like this huge fucking boxy rectangle, yes. but everything looked chunky. way better on it. It was very chunky. The Steam Deck looks chunky. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of indifferent to the Steam Deck. Do you have any opinions on this? Um, I like it, but I'm looking at these prices that you just posted in our Google Doc and 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that the more storage you buy, the more expensive it is. It's like that with iPhone, so like whatever. But the fact that the maximum amount of storage option is like $650 for a handheld is absolutely bonkers to me. That is like two and a half switches or something. (laughs) Switch lights, maybe. Like that's just, that's really crazy to me. Um, I have a prediction for this. And my prediction is that it's going to have the same supply issues as the PS5. That's all I'm going to say about that. There is going to be... Lots of people complaining about not getting their uh, Steam Deck at a reasonable time. And I think maybe supply chain will mess with it. Maybe computer chips will mess with it. And it's going to be a little messier than they expected. Yeah, I absolutely see that happening, especially since like, I don't know, I think I think a lot of people initially thought that the issue with the PS5 rollout was just poorly handled by Sony, but it has become abundantly clear that one of the main issues there is just supply chain and computer chip issues. Mm-hmm. And I did notice that the announcement, I, I had to like dig to find how much the Steam Deck cost because the announcement was to get in line, basically. The announcement was to put five hours down so that you basically pre-ordered your spot in line, you got a ticket, and then okay. starting February 25th, they would start drawing tickets. And so it's you can't just like buy one. You have to reserve it and then you have to wait your turn basically. So I don't know. Uh, you said it yourself, like these prices, I, I will note, I, I had dropped a little graphic that Valve put together into our Google doc that shows the cheapest one you can get is 399. So it's $400. It's 64 gigabytes of onboard storage, but they note it does come with a carrying case. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, carrying case. Epic All of them swag. Come carrying cases. Yeah. Epic swag. <laughs> my thinking is like, I like my Switch. And if I was going to spend upwards of $500 on something like this that has 256 gigabytes of onboard storage, I would put it towards building a computer that has like a terabyte of storage. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, you could play the same games. Yeah. It's just a lot more sensible, in my opinion. I have um, seen people say too that, uh, they think this thing might spur Nintendo into making the Switch better. Like getting some competition in this marketplace would make Nintendo better. And while I agree on its face that like having competition in the video game market probably gets the companies to do better things, I think people underestimate the fact that Nintendo is always going to zigzag and do whatever the fuck they want to do. Yeah. So what else is going on? I saw this tweet thread. It was by Laura Dale, games journalist. You might have heard of her. She's also a Twitch partner. Um, Laura Dale posted this thread about her thoughts and kind of like initial review thoughts on the Pokemon Arceus game. And apparently it actually looks better and seems better and plays better than we were all anticipating. Um, I, it gets me really excited. And I did see another Twitter thread the other day. I think you might've sent it to me that actually showed what it was going to look like. And it looks really good in my opinion. And I know some people have been complaining like, oh, why does Pokemon get away with games that look bad? And I do agree with them most of the time because Diamond and Pearl, oh, it's like, okay. Um, but this game actually looks good and my hot take is that pokemon games don't necessarily have to look good to be good they're games that are not necessarily about the cinematography or the visuals we're just here to catch some monsters and have a good time 
And as long as things look like a base level of cute, <laughs> I am content. Yeah, by the by the time this episode is out, people will probably have the game in their hands. We're recording this on Thursday night and the game goes live like at midnight. But it was pretty funny to see the rollout of like people getting copies that they weren't supposed to have early and seeing video leak out of the game and then seeing journalists get their copies. But everything has been like resoundingly positive. Like the people who got leaked copies said it was really fun. Some of the reviews that are trickling out now are like overwhelmingly positive. Um, I really like the review in the Washington Post that specifically frames it around the graphics in saying that like, look, it might not look as pretty as something like Breath of the Wild, but it it does well by the initial promise of the Pokemon series, which is that like you are here to catch little monsters. And I'm just going to read this real quick. I'll drop it in the show notes, the link to Laura K. Dale's full review. Yeah. But I really like, she says, one of the things that impressed me most about Legends Arceus, though, was the evident care put into making this feel like a truly lived-in world. If you're the kind of person who wants Pokemon to feel grander in scope, faster paced with fewer pauses in action, and more deeply appreciative of the creatures themselves, Legends Arceus offers a wonderful experience. For anyone begging for the Pokemon formula to do something new, you're getting what you wanted. So at That sounds kinda, exciting to me. That sounds great, yeah. I uh people have been kind of framing it too is like why didn't they give it to reviewers sooner and it's like maybe they were just really confident about the game they had and i think it's maybe. nice to see i know i was kind of poo poo on this when it was announced and we've talked about this how when they were announced i was kind of more interested in the by the numbers remake of diamond and pearl than i was them trying to kind of swing and miss but now that the diamond and pearl remake is out i'm like eh, i don't really need it that bad and seeing this get positive reviews now i'm like maybe this actually looks kind of cool maybe this is actually cool yeah i mean people will always hate on it and be like why doesn't this look amazing when it's pokemon and like i definitely expect a resurgence of those um when metroid dread came out there was all those memes that were like y'all pay 60 dollars for this and i was like yes anyway <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the, and what about it? It I, I don't know. It looks really cool. And I think any promise that they're fleshing out the like the base mechanics, because so much of those old Pokemon games and the the reason that games like Red and Blue, even though they're twenty years old now, more than twenty years old now, the reason they feel so magical is that like the developers were building that with the intention that you were going to fill in some of the blanks and you are always going to feel more attached to the collection of pixels that is your pikachu that you nicknamed yourself and like chose the moves it learned than you really have any right to but seeing the gameplay of this one of people like in an open world ish area and then they like go into their inventory and select their pokeball with their onyx in it and then they throw it out onto the field and onyx is just hanging out with them and is like the correct scale to their character like it it definitely scratches an itch and kind of like rubs my brain the right way of like this is the kind of thing that if this had come out 15 years ago i would have lost my fucking mind oh i know it would have lost my mind and maybe i still might so yeah. we'll have to see. I was at the used video game store near my house a few days ago because I, I was digging through some stuff and trading in some games that I wasn't playing and didn't want anymore. And the 
I got like 30 bucks in trade for some stuff I traded in. And the guy was like, you picking anything up today or you want to put it on a card? And I was like, I'm just going to hang on to it because I'm probably just going to end up saving it for Elden Ring anyway. And he was like, well, you know, that's coming out and the new Pokemon game is coming out. You could put a pre-order down on one of those. And I was like, I am now faced with a conundrum. There are two video games coming out soon that are $60 and I would like to buy at least one of them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough being a gamer and not making a lot of money, let me tell you. It is tough. I think this is our time to sponsor our GoFundMe. Honestly, honestly, yeah. <laughs> We're looking... We need to get on like some PR list, man. Like, how do you even do that? I want to- We gotta get corporate sponsors. We gotta get <laughs> the, you ever listen to Behind the Bastards? No. It's a, it's a very good podcast by a journalist. His name is Robert Evans. And it's like a comedy journalism podcast where he picks like a really shitty person throughout history. So like, it'll be the guy who invented the machine gun or something like that. And it'll just be like a comedy looking at this person. But the running gag on Behind the Bastards and the other podcasts that Robert Evans is affiliated with is that every time they go to an ad break, he'll say, this episode is brought to you by Raytheon or something like that. So uh, we got to get sponsored by like Lockheed Martin or something. We got to oh get my some God, of that. stop. We got to get some of that big weapons money here. I know. We need to get we need some nuclear money so we can buy all the Nintendo games we want and Elden Ring. All right. So now that I'm plugged in, we're good. Let's what go. are we what are we playing? I guess I can go first. Um I haven't really been playing anything too crazy. I after I finished reading Jason Schreier's book that I plugged last episode, Press Reset, one of the games that he talked about in that book was Enter the Gungeon, which is a really, really cool little roguelike run-and-gun game. It's like a twin-stick shooter. It's you traverse through dungeons that are very punny and themed around guns. <laughs> so you're, you're a little character, and all of the enemies that you fight look kind of like bullets in some way, shape, or form. And all of, there's like a ridiculous amount of weapons in the game and a lot of them are very punny in name or like references to other things like one of the guns is shaped like a mailbox and it fires letters and then when you get to the end of your clip the last one that it fires is a package and the package explodes and does aoe damage and like that kind of thing um very fun i had bought enter the gungeon back in like 2020 i think it was my I think it was my consolation game I bought because it was on sale and I didn't think I was going to be able to afford Animal Crossing when it came out because I like needed to pay rent and I didn't have a job. So I bought that and poured like a ridiculous amount of time into it. And I was like, fuck you, Animal Crossing. I don't need you. But even after I got Animal Crossing, I still kept coming back to enter the gungeon and I redownloaded it and it's still fun as fuck. Um, it also kind of had me eyeing another game that just recently came out that I really want to check out. I mentioned it before. It's called Nobody Saves the World, and it's from Drinkbox Studios. They're the guys that made, uh, did you ever play Guacamelee? No. Oh, it's really cute. It's a, you would like it. It's a Metroidvania, but the art style is like this really cool, bright, like luchador theme. So you play as a luchador. Oh, cute. And all of your Metroidvania traversing the environment moves that you learn are wrestling moves. So it's like, you find the platform that you can't get under and you have to learn like a belly flop ground pound move and that kind of thing. It's it's really cute. Um, Nobody Saves the World just sounds really cool. I, I don't know a whole lot about it. It's one of those games that like when I heard about it, I knew it was from a studio that I've played cool stuff from and it sounded neat. So I want to read too deep into it, but it is currently only available on Steam and Game Pass. I know the whole thing is about 
playing as different themed character classes type of deal and it almost sounds similar to enter the gungeon in the whole like weird types of weapons and weird abilities that have fun themes and that kind of thing so it sounds neat um i i'm also really itching to play an rpg right now Mm. i I was listening (laughs) i was listening i gave you final fantasy 7 maybe maybe i need to dive into remake um i was listening to a another gaming podcast they're called into the ether their latest episode where they were discussing nobody saves the world and a couple other like really like uh very jrpg jrpg type of deal like very numbers heavy very very serious jrpg genre shit and then i watched a really cool youtube video there's a youtuber i keep track of every now and then or pretty regularly her name is hazel and she just does these really cool deep dive videos on like obscure anime or an obscure video game and she put together this two hour video that launched a few days ago from when we were recording of just like cozy jrpgs and oh man let's put it in the show notes i will drop it in the show notes just like great just talking about like really soft cute jrpgs but I, i i recommend watching it like just really cool stuff and it really has me wanting to play jrpgs Uh, it got me thinking about my my ps3 i think i texted you about this when i when i moved into my own place i kind of dispersed some stuff i didn't want across a couple different locations and my ps3 is currently residing at a family member's house who is kind of anti-vax so i'm like i want to i want to conduct a rescue op to get my ps3 because there's some good stuff on there. there's some good stuff on there i got persona 3 on there i got grandia on there Classic. i got i got fucking chrono trigger on there like all these games i'm really in the mood to sit down and play but i'm like do i need to buy like a hazmat suit to go pick that shit up like how could i think, I, or- I think uh this could be the time for you to rescue it and get persona 3 if you're really wanting to scratch a jrpg itch and then you then you get over it and then get over the apprehension of going to this person's house yeah and then you've got your console you have to don't you don't have to think about it again bada bing bada boom yeah uh it was really funny i one of my co-workers her grandson is like eight and he plays video games she brings him into the office every now and then the way like parents or grandparents do when their kid gets out of school early and doesn't have anywhere to go so he comes into the office sometimes and he knows i play video games too so he was in the office recently and he was like i was like hey did you play any video games lately and he was like i got an xbox one and i was like that's awesome i was like what kind of games do you have for it and he lists off like a million games and i was like that's really awesome i don't have an xbox and he was like what do you have and i was like well i have a playstation 4 but I also have, and I kind of thought, and I was like, well, I have my PlayStation 2 hooked up to the TV right now. And he looked at me and he went, PlayStation 2. And it was like, I could see the gears <gasps> turning in his brain. He just like, discovered that those existed. Oh it was my like, God. I know the PS5 exists. And I know the PS4 exists. Therefore, a 2 probably exists. And it's definitely older than those are. And I was like, yeah, I probably got my PS2 when I was like your age. And he was like, whoa. <laughs> And I was like, Mind man, blown. I feel, I was like, I feel old. <laughs> I know. But, uh, it It just hit me that like some of my youngest cousins probably don't know any, like probably never owned a Wii. Mm-hmm. And that's like, yeah, fuck. damn. <laughs> that's probably how like older people, like, I know one of the things we said when we first started this podcast was we wanted to kind of take a perspective of people who are in their 
their 20s now because so much of like gaming culture when we were growing up was people who had grown up on the nes and snes and that stuff so it's like those people are older now but we grew up in a completely different era and now there's a whole new generation who's getting into gaming through like yeah through like more accessible things like that but the stuff we're talking about is fucking greek to them I know it's crazy. It's uh time. Time is moving. Time's moving fast. So, time really do be moving. Yeah. What, what, have moving. You, what have you been playing, Tori? So speaking of JRPGs, um, SMT kicked my ass the mm-hmm. other day, and I unfortunately lost three hours of progress, which included like two different boss battles. Oh God. Um, like like twenty minute sequence, like repeated attacks. Got my whole squad type boss battles and when that happens in the jrpg in particular it like burns you know what i mean like oh yeah it really hurts and it just sucks because like you know if you want to push forward in that game you're gonna have to replay all of that it's just like dragging yourself through the mud so yeah we've been wrapping up my uh jesse and i've been wrapping up the Super Mario 3D world were like the last couple of worlds. And that's what I've just been focusing on is getting through that Mario game. And then I was looking at, I do have some Nintendo eShop money that I've been sitting Ooh. on. Um, and I'm debating is I'm like, oh, Pokemon RCS. But I'm also like, oh, some of the other games that you've recommended to me in the past. And then also looking at Danganronpa because mm. Danganronpa Ooh. is a really great like type of, I would say like murder mystery type thing. Um, people kill each other and you're like, who did? And like, <laughs> how am I going to not get killed? And that type of like, it, like interactive novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about it is that it, that's what it is. It's like an interactive novel. It's not necessarily a video game, video game. And I've never really messed with those beyond like dating Sims. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it does feel weird to shell out $40 for Hmm. a couple of those. It feels, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get that. I, I, I have friends who are really, really into visual novels. It's a, it's a genre of game that I've only kind of dipped into here and there, but I definitely get that because you have to be in a really specific frame of mind. I find to like want the majority of your video game experience to be reading stuff like the, the visual novels that I have played and the interactive stuff like that that I have played, I've really enjoyed. But I definitely do have to be in a specific headspace going in knowing that, like, it's going to be mostly reading is what I'm doing. Yeah, and sometimes I just want to, I just want to kill shit, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, if I want to read a book, I have, bo- I have a whole bookshelf of books I haven't read yet. So I don't know where I am with that, but I am definitely going to start a new game this week because I, I recognize that I have like some SMT burnout and I need to replace it with something and I've already like powered through Mario so I'll keep y'all posted on that yeah um maybe I'll return back to the Donkey Kong game which is just the same thing as the Mario game with Donkey Kong just just doing my side-scrolling platformers era just, which which Donkey Kong game it's the tropical freeze ah I've heard very good things about tropical it's very freeze. fun I really yeah. enjoy it so yeah that's what i've been doing another thing i've been wanting to play but mysteriously isn't out yet is the game stray it was one of the launch titles like was mentioned oh my god i don't even remember anymore and it's this game where you play this little stray cat and what looks to be like a 
urban setting in like Japan and you encounter situations, you try to get them to safety and you meet all these types of characters, um, human and non-human. And the initial release date, I believe was late 2021. And then it got pushed back to early 2022. Mm. And that was the last I heard of it. And I was thinking about it a couple weeks ago and I was like, wait, it is now early 2022. Like where's Stray? And I looked it up and some places still have it listed as TBA. Some places have it list as, listed as early 2022. Um, and I looked at the PlayStation website and it's still, it says announced. That's all it says. <laughs> this game might come out. It this is announced. It's announced. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of a small-ish game. I don't know what studio is producing it. Um, I would like some yeah. updates on it. I would like to see if it's still happening because it's actually one of the games that made me excited about having a PS5. Yeah, I see so. it's being published by Annapurna and like they've got a really good track record for the stuff that they publish. I don't know who's directing it, but I guess I can probably Google real quick here like who's developing it. Hold, hold. All right, I'm on Annapurna's website. It says they got Stray. Meow. Developed by Blue 12 Studio. Let's see who these guys are. This game is being developed by a small studio called Blue 12 Studio. I am, I don't think they've done a whole lot because when I Googled them, Stray came up and so did their LinkedIn page. So I can oh. see from their LinkedIn page that they're based in France. Yeah, they're based in France. So I don't know if you feel like going over to Europe and or sending somebody a message on LinkedIn and asking if this game is going to come out at all. That's not what LinkedIn is for, but... <laughs> <laughs> Me using LinkedIn to ask about video games. Well, uh, video games are coming out. That's exactly what LinkedIn was designed for. Yeah. Um, it's just is... Tumblr for people who wear ties. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all it's for. LinkedIn yeah. is Tumblr for people who wear ties. Maybe that can could be used. Can I share with you a job listing i got on linkedin relatively recently sure um, i had a bunch of job listings on for like journalism jobs before i got the journalism job i currently have and i just yes. never turned them off because i was like kind of amused by the stuff that they would turn up and i was like hey maybe at some point something will come up that something I will cool be interested. will happen yeah. yeah i got one recommended to me relatively recently for not even a paying position it was a volunteer position remotely for a harry potter fan website and it was like calling all Harry Potter fans. We want a volunteer staff writer to write like three or four Harry Potter news stories a week. And it was like, how like, much content is there about Harry Potter? In I'm like, yeah, one, how much, how much new shit could there possibly be to write about? And two, you guys are advertising for a volunteer position on LinkedIn. <laughs> like, get out of here. Oh my god, I just can't imagine showing up to do a Zoom interview with the Leaky Cauldron. <laughs> that is a real Harry Potter fan site. That's one of the OGs. Yeah, yeah. Me showing up to my Zoom interview. Real ones now. My background is like the fucking train. I'm, I'm in one of the train compartments. <laughs> oh I, uh, can I share with you before we wrap up here a, a funny gaming story? Sure, why not? 
speaking of like talking to younger people about games or like playing other stuff um i got together with some friends of mine from high school and college and we were playing minecraft recently and let me just say minecraft still great uh i discovered it's still fucking awesome i played minecraft for the first time when i was in like middle school like i discovered minecraft in the pre-alpha days like not not like very very early when it was still like kind of just the creative mode but like i discovered minecraft when it was early enough that i only paid like 10 bucks for it and i've been thankfully that copy that i only paid like 10 bucks for has kind of carried all the way down here which is awesome you have like rent controlled minecraft i have rent controlled minecraft exactly amazing it was pretty funny when when i bought minecraft it was still owned by mojang and notch serial uh creepy racist guy who no longer owns minecraft but now that it's owned by microsoft uh, at one point in college i went to go log into minecraft and because every now and then my friends will get like a bug up our ass to play minecraft and somebody (laughs) will start a minecraft server but this happens like once every four years so it's like pretty sporadic and the last time it happened my minecraft account was so old that i had to migrate it to the new microsoft system before it would let me actually log into my my account So I'm sitting here trying to remember what I would have made my password when I was like 13. Just oh, like, God. all right, what passwords was I using? But so we we start playing Minecraft. Um, is for people who have ever tried to play Minecraft multiplayer with friends, it is still way too complicated. To for one of the most popular games in the world, it blows my mind that it is still as complicated as it is to play multiplayer Minecraft. But a buddy of mine who understood like the server side stuff of it got a server running hosted from some website that allowed you to do that for free. And so all four of us jump in, we're all four on a Discord call, we're all starting to build our dirt house. And we thought the server was private and then a fifth person pops into the server. Oh, no. I don't remember. I don't remember his name. It was like something. It was something Melon. It 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 was not Melon, but it looked enough like Melon that I was calling him Melon to our friend, my friends on the Discord call. And so, my my friend who has the server controls is like, should I kick this guy? And I was like, nah, let him hang. He's not doing anything. And so he messages us in Minecraft, and he's like, was this supposed to be a private server? And we were like, yeah. And he was like, I can go if you want. And I was like, nah, man, you can hang. And all of my friends on the Discord call are like, Noah, stop encouraging him. What are you doing? And I was like, nah, man, hang out. It's all good. So we're talking to this guy, and my my one friend goes, how old do you think this guy is? And we were like, I don't know. And they were like, what if we're playing with like a kid? And another one of my friends is like, let's just not say anything. And so I type in the chat. I'm like, hey, how old are you? <laughs> and the person responds back and they're like, 16. And we're all sitting here in the Discord chat like, oh no, we're adults playing with the 16-year-old. And I was like, guys, don't make it weird. Like he's just building a dirt house separate from our dirt house. So he he responds back and says, how old are you guys? And we're like, all right, fuck now. There's no good way to get out of here. So... <laughs> So one of my other friends' response is like, we're all in our 20s. One of my friends is like, I work for the government. And he was just like, oh, cool. I go to high school. We were like, nice. Nice. Uh, He was chill, though. He built a separate house from ours. So he just kind of kept his stuff away from us. But he was clearly more up on like recent Minecraft than I was. So I was like... He built a campfire at one point, which is not something you could build the last time I played Minecraft, which it's been years. And so I walked up to him and I was like, what is this? And he was like, it's a campfire. And I was like, how the fuck did you do that? And I was like, he must think I'm like fucking senile old man. I'm just like a boomer over here. Like, what? how did you do that? But uh, 
Oh, it is funny. Look at this. Minecraft is still good. I can I can report it's got 16 year olds playing it. It's got 20 something government employees playing it. Everybody loves Minecraft. Wow. Well, we're still we're still there, and some games have lasted the test of time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, right. I will say, like I said, by the time this podcast reaches people's ears, the new Pokemon game will be out. If you have the new Pokemon game and are have very strong feelings about it. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up via our email. You can email your thoughts about things to heypressstart at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, I guess should we start wrapping things up. Tori, where can, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Tori underscore as underscore always. You can find me on Twitter at Noah underscore Hertz, but it's spelled H-U-R-T-S. You can find the show on Twitter at press underscore start pod. Like I said, you can email us at heypressstart at gmail.com. And all of our music is from the artist Geist. You can listen to more of their stuff at N-O-A-H-G-E-I-S-T dot bandcamp.com. And our logo is by Kai at Wisp Graphics. That's a wrap. Tori, tell me, tell me what's good about video games. What's good about video games is... Um, when Kirby bounces in the air, he's able to suck things in the air. I thought you were going to say Tifa. Tifa is what's good about what's video games. What's good about video games? Let me scratch that. What's good about video games is, uh, when Tifa porn shows up at the Italian, uh, government meeting. Let's go. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Can you explain that? I'm lost here. Okay. So there's some sort of like trial or some, I think it was, I believe it's a trial in Italy mm-hmm. that was happening it was one of those trials that was conducted uh via zoom you know which never ends well mm-hmm. and one guy I believe offered to share his screen and he shared it and it was uh some animated porn of Tifa uh I believe she was having sex with Cloud or Barrett um it was mostly Damn. focused on Tifa re- I mean understandably yeah. um I don't know who was fucking Tifa but she was Damn. she was getting it um and it was loud there you go uh keep calm and don't share your screen if you've been watching explicit final fantasy 7 videos yeah (laughs) toodaloo I wish yeah. they still made the Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games games. They have them at David Buster's. Really? Yeah. They probably felt kind of burned after that last one, which or the 2021, where like the oh. Olympics got postponed, but the video game came out. So <laughs> I want to know all of the Mario and Sonic at the Olympics lore. That should be. Yeah. That should be who, something. Who fucked at the Mario and Sonic Olympic Village is what I want to know. I know.